Thank you, worship team, for ushering us into God's presence today. Nothing like it, right? Amen. Just being in, in the presence of the Lord and enjoying that. Um, if you want to go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians 4, we'll be there here in just a little bit. So Friday night, Stasha and I were able to head up to the camp and be with all of our kids enjoying God's presence. You know, it's amazing the difference in the pitch and what's the high notes called? The higher notes between kids camp and youth camp when they're excited about God. They were, they were having so much fun on Friday night, just screaming and excited because of the games and the excitement. But then at the end, after the worship service was over, just cheering for the Lord and them ushering in His presence. It was truly a great time. So be in prayer. We have uh, one more day, uh, well, the rest of today, and then tomorrow morning we have three adult leaders, four girls, and four boys uh, that are up at kids camp right now. So be in prayer for them. One more thing to be in prayer about this week, my stepdad, is that right? He is going in for a heart valve replacement on Wednesday early, so just be in prayer for Tom um, as he's going in for that. That's a really major surgery, so if, you'll think, if you think about that Wednesday morning, I'll send out an email to uh, be in prayer for him. So um, he's a good man. He treats my mom really good. Amen. I want to welcome back Mr. and Mrs. Ellington from their honeymoon. So good to see you guys all married and whatnot. Now Emma is ours like forever now, so we're not sharing her with New Hope anymore, although very thankful she was able to finish out her uh, ministry there and be with those kiddos and serve alongside Lisa who is over there. Um, it's so good to have you guys back. But uh, well, let's, let's get going today into today's message. We are turning a corner here, uh, going into the summer months and then finishing out the year, talking about God's presence and the importance of His presence. And as we stated last week, you know, truly there, there's nothing that we can do of true eternal significance without His presence. Um, we can do a lot of great things, don't get me wrong. Uh, we can do a lot of really good things, but our goal as believers is in everything to enjoy the presence of God, to minister within the presence of God. And so what I did last week, um, I brought a message that we heard that was brought to our denomination, and I'm going to do the same thing today. We had another amazing speaker who was speaking to our denomination. The reason that I'm doing this, bringing these messages to our churches, because we're four square. What is God speaking to our denomination? Because really that has a way, uh, that, that does affect us in, in what, what God is speaking, because we want to be on the same page of what is God doing? Now, you understand this too. Um, we preach Jesus. We don't preach denomination. We are part of a denomination, but more than anything, we preach Jesus Christ and who he is. And so, but I do want to bring this about understanding where we are uh, within our denomination and what God is speaking to us. And this message really it was, was geared toward the ministers and was geared to our churches. And so I thought I would bring this one today because we're part of Abundant Life. We're part of Foursquare, like I said. But this message can go to every aspect of our lives. It can go to our personal life, to our family, to our workplace, um, just all the relationships that we have. Uh, but as we go into this, you'll see how it was directly, especially targeted toward ministers of the gospel. And you'll see why here in just a few moments, um, and then how you can apply this, how we can all apply this. 
Um, Phil, Phil Manginelli, I believe that's how you, Phil Maginelli uh, is a minister in Atlanta, Georgia, and he's planted a church there, started with, I think, four people, he said, something like that, and God's done an amazing work uh, within his city. And what we're calling today's message is, Calling Must Be Greater Than Significance. And uh, you see within there, just uh, the, for me, even the conviction that comes with the title, that our calling that God has called each of us to has to be greater than our personal significance, as in, look at me, look at what I've been able to do, uh, for the Lord even, right? So we want to see that today. Um, he opened up by telling us that God is telling his church that calling must be greater than significance. This was a very prophetic word that was given, by the way, and I want you to hear it as such um, as it was spoken over our, our denomination. When we begin to read through 2 Corinthians 4, and I had you turn there, again, we'll get there here in just a few moments. Um, actually, what we're going to do is we're going to take, I debated on whether we were going to read this whole portion first and then began to break it down, but just with time and everything that we're wanting to speak here, I'm going to, we'll get to the verses here in just a few moments uh, instead of reading it all at one time, just so we can really capture what Paul is trying to say. But he's, as we're, we're about to see, Paul is trying to explain who he is and what his calling is about. Um, I think one of the greatest challenges that we have as individuals is figuring out, figuring out what our call before the Lord is, also figuring out what our call is not. You know, there are so many people who, um, and, and by the way, I think we've all been here at this point, who we're, we're walking out a call that truly isn't ours for the sake of significance at times. Um, and again, I say that as someone who's had to repent of that myself. He cast a vision to those who were pursuing a life of following Christ. What we've understood over the past several years, really the past, yeah, 10 or so years, maybe 20, 30 years even, but the church has been in a new place, um, really in society, with our impact, with, uh, even with believers. Several years ago, decades ago, most people went to church and called themselves Christians. And at that time, you know, a lot of people went to church. Um, not everybody was a Christian, but it was just part of the culture. It's what people did. We don't necessarily see that as much anymore, even within the church. Um, the, I've mentioned this before, but most people consider themselves an active part of a local church if they're, just, if they're there just one month, uh, one week out of the month. Um, and so we see that really there has been a big shift in church attendance even, uh, just society, the way things pull at us, this, these things come up, those things come up. So we understand that um, that's just where we are in society. And I say, unfortunately, in a large degree, uh, here's one of the things that, that Phil said. He said, we are no longer, and I'm going to have to explain this in just a moment, we are no longer prophets to Israel we are prophets to Babylon, and we must learn how to raise up a generation of followers of Jesus who are able to be cultural exiles. What he meant by that, we're no longer prophets to Israel. Israel was the people of God. They followed God with all their hearts. Just like um, years ago, even though people may or may not have followed God with all their hearts, they were, at least, they were in church. They were hearing about God. They were hearing his word. Today, it's more of a Babylon thing. What was Babylon? It was a place of captivity for the people of Israel, wasn't it? And so we are having to learn that our culture in many aspects is against God. And so we're having to teach our kids, this next generation, how to live really in a 
godless society that doesn't tolerate Christianity, and, and, a broad, and I'm painting with a broad brush this morning, okay, um, but in a society that really doesn't support that. So when he says we are no longer prophets to Israel, we're prophets to Babylon, Babylon, and we must learn how to raise up a generation of followers of Jesus who are able to be cultural exiles. So what we're teaching our kids who are at camp this week, our youth who were there last week, Wednesday nights, parents, by the way, man, get your kids to what's going on Wednesday nights. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, with our children's ministry on Sunday morning and, and Wednesday night too, um, don't let them miss out on this because here's what we're doing. We're teaching our children the importance of being significant in the kingdom of God Amen. more than in this world. We can chase after so many things that lead us from God. And parents, we can lead our kids away from God without even realizing it because of all the cultural things that pull us away from his presence. So we're teaching our kids how to be exiles in this world that we live in, how to be Christ followers. So it's very important. Basically, our culture is a postmodern Christian, you may have heard that phrase before, in the sense that we don't value the authority of the Word of God like we used to. We're having to train our youth to go against cultural norms in order to pursue Christ. See, Western Christianity as we knew it is collapsing in a sense. But let me say this, there is also, even in this new generation that's coming up, there is a there is a remnant of people who are all about the kingdom of God, who are wanting to follow him with all their hearts. And let me tell you this, when culture, when, when the church culture begins to face a decline and people are against it, that's when a generation rises up and I believe a revival comes to our land. Amen. Let's stop dissing this next generation of kids who are in church. Amen. Let's stop doing it because they're going to be the ones, I guarantee it, who are going to bring revival Amen, amen, amen. At the root of this problem really lies the church. He said this, we have traded in our spiritual birthright for significance. Now, here's where we're making a little bit of a turn, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Instead of living faithfully to our calling, we have brought into the lie that we are significant when we are seen and when we are known. Social media has done a great job of this, really a poor job of this, hasn't it? Being seen and being known. Uh, another quote that was brought about is, the more abundantly the benefits of civilization come streaming our way, right? We get to enjoy all the benefits that are out there of blessing, prosperity, this, that. The more those things come our way, really the emptier our lives become. With all of its wealth and power, it only shows that the human heart in which God has put eternity is so huge that the world can't satisfy it. See, we have all these things coming our way, but really it, it, it can't satisfy what God has placed in us, and that is the need for Him. Not to be significant by, significant by the world's standards, but to be significant in the kingdom of God. Only God can fill that in your life. And that's why He's calling us to, to say our calling must be greater than our personal significance than we are looking for. He went on to say that, uh, and, and um, this is, the first part of this is a message about church leaders, of which I am one, okay? He went on to say, church leaders disbelieve this the most. We've become addicted to the drug of applause, and that filters down into any really leadership. Generally speaking, all right, we're, we're painting with a broad brush today, okay? Um, this may not apply to us, this may apply to us. I want to bring this about so that we don't fall into this trap. And if we're there, we're able to get out. So please hear me on this, okay? But we become addicted to the drug of applause. Ministry costs us, though. 
It cost us time, our personal desires, our personal plans, ourself. See, Jesus had a plan for the cost of ministry. We often, because of the time that ministry takes, whether it be here at this church or outside of these walls, ministering to your family, because of the, the time that it takes us, the, our own desires being put on the back shelf, the plans that we have made ourselves. Jesus had a plan for that cost, and it was his presence. He was saying, are you feeling worn down and all the applause is not meeting your needs? Because it never will, right? You need his presence. Amen. I need his presence. I had someone in the church uh, Wednesday night. They came to me, and they said, Pastor, I have to repent. I was like, really? Why? He says, it's toward you personally. And I'm like, oh, what did I do? Or what, whatever. Or what did you do, you know? And he said, I have not been praying for you the way I need to. And he said, I'm going to send you a text every single morning to let you know the specific area that I'm praying for you. And I'm not saying this so that everybody, well, it'd be great. Actually, we need your prayers. We really do. We, and, and we pray for you guys as well. But one of the first things he mentioned was this very thing here, the, the presence of God needing that presence of God. And so I say as someone who is standing on a platform before you today, when you pray for me, pray that my significance is not found in standing before a group of people, large or small, but that it is found only in his presence as a church leader. As you pray for Luke and Doug, all the, 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 the licensed ministers who are here, but you know what? I pray for all of you leaders the exact same thing. I pray for all of you who are here as you attend this church and you, you want to grow in godliness. I pray the same thing for you at your workplace, that your applause is found in the presence of God rather than any significance that could ever be brought. Jesus had a plan for the cost of ministry because it does cost inside these walls or outside of these walls. And that plan was to fill us with his presence. The first point he made was we've traded the cost of his presence for significance. That flows down to our churches. Like I've just said, we were inundated with celebrity pastors, mega churches, professional people who do that, uh, professional bloggers that desire significance because we're broken and we want to be impressive, right? We're broken people. This year, we are taking this whole season to talk about moving from brokenness to a place of wholeness. In the lives of our brokenness, we want to become whole people. And that's the reality is that we are, in so many areas, broken. And the way that we seek significance is through the applause of people, is what he was telling us. I fight it. You fight it. Something that Stasha is doing, she is meeting with, um, is it four people on Wednesday nights uh, that are, um, are kid, part of our kids' ministry, and some of them have uh, gone into youth, I believe, at this point. Um, but anyway, she is talking to them about how, what it is to be a worshiper, because she's kind of helping raise these people up uh, to become worshipers, really in this type of setting eventually, because what are we doing? We're training up a generation of, of people who can lead, and of course, they will move into youth ministry, and then that, that flows here into the sanctuary and, and all those type of things. But here's what we are teaching them along the way is, anytime you are in front of people your gift is never to be about you and receiving applause. Now, will people clap when a song happens and it's great? Absolutely. Will people walk out of the door here today and a few people will say, you know, that message was wonderful. It hit right what I needed to hear. Absolutely. But I'm talking about the drug of applause 
that we can face. And so what she is doing uh, with these kids is, as they are being raised up, is never get addicted to the drug of applause. And you noticed I did call it a drug because it's something that we'll continue to seek after in that drug of applause that's there. We've traded the cost of his presence for significance in that area. Status has become an idol even within the church, he was saying, as our ministries grow and reach more people and we become known, we disguise it with the word impact. Yes, we are impacting our community. We are impacting this neighborhood, but we're disguising it because we're like, you know, kind of look what we're doing. Now, can we impact our communities? Can people say, would you look at Abundant Life? Would you look at First Baptist? Would you look at First Presbyterian, the ministries that they are doing? Absolutely, that's a wonderful thing, but the focus must be in our hearts. We're doing this because of the presence of God and to please Him and to honor Him in every single thing that we do. It must be about His presence. We desire a spiritual awakening within our generation. I desire a spiritual awakening for abundant life. I desire a spiritual awakening in my life. Let's just get down to that level now. I must be aware of the idol of significance over the presence of God. Because you've heard me say this for several years now that we've been here. This can be an addicting place. In front of the children can be an addicting place. Welcoming people as they come in the door, it can be very addicting. At your place of business can be an addicting place. Being the head of your home, the, 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 um, the person that everybody, that can be very addicting. But when we focus in on the presence of God, that tends to go away. We don't lose our reach. We don't lose the impact. But our focus has changed from this addiction to now the presence of God. You see how this can play out within churches? You see how that could play out even here? You see how that could play out in my life and in your life? He went on to say, we're about to get to 2 Corinthians, by the way, but he went on to say that the drive to be significant is destroying us. Yes, we must have big dreams and we must pursue great things. You know what? We will continue to minister to our community. We will continue to minister to our children. We will continue to improve this. We will continue to work on that. We will continue to do all of these things. So we must have big dreams. We must pursue great things. But this pursuit can be from false things and from a place of seeking significance. Last week, we asked this question. When did the presence of Jesus stop being enough? We pursue Jesus and being known. We pursue Jesus and being the best leader that gets applause. We pursue Jesus and having the best home by having the best you know family those type of things and those are worthy things but the question is is he still enough at the end of the day is jesus still enough and i say this because some of you are thinking hey i don't even want to be on the platform can i tell you i was that guy by the way you, you've heard my story mm -mm. no at 15 years old when i sense the lord calling me into ministry i'm like oh, i don't like being in front of people that much I'm, but anyway let me say this even those who prefer the background set, can set that up as an idol when we refuse to allow his presence to work through us in reaching other people. That's just as true as wanting to be significant in business, in church, in family, in community, whatever it may be. 
We can be all of those things, but we must be, more than anything, pursuing His presence. That's what it's all about. You see the point there? We're not saying don't be on the platform. We're not saying don't minister to the kids. We're not saying be number one in your business. We're not saying be number one in your, in your place of employment. We're saying the drive must be the presence of God more than all of that. Social media, as I referred to, has allowed connecting with people and being a celebrity to enforce, the, to enforce the idea of being known. We follow our favorite people. We follow the celebrities, and they're just, they're just a, a touch away you know, from looking on here and, and seeing what so-and-so has to say, seeing what the latest pastor has to say. Seeing, and those are all good. Those are encouragement, right? right? You hear me saying all this. But we are validated by followers. We're validated by friends and likes on social media. Right? We go, hey, I just made a cool post this morning. I wonder how many people have liked what I just said. I love you too, Chad White. See, he knows I got my phone out, so he just texted me, love you. <laughs> I'll just add that to my validation. Um, <laughs> but we look at the, how many, wow, man, I had like, last week I only had five people like my post. Today I have, you see what I'm saying? Is there anything wrong with that? No, there, there, there's really not, except for when it becomes more important than the presence of God. That's the point that we're talking about. Do we value visibility above His presence? 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 2, Paul is addressing motivation and substance and activity when it comes to significance in the kingdom of God. Part of what he's going to bring up here and what we're going to see is at what point did we lose our first love? We'll see that in Revelation as well. When we are consumed by a love for Jesus, we will not give up, all right? Here's what ministry can do. Here's what running a, whether you're running a business or you're over some people or you're working at a place um, or, you know, leader in your community, leader in your neighborhood, whatever it may be. Um, a performance for self will cause us to give up when we are no longer receiving the accolades. So this scripture that I'm bringing to you today is for us to find our significance in Christ, to find our significance in the presence of God, because here's what I have found. We've all gotten tired being parents. We've all gotten tired being ministers. We've all gotten tired uh, working at our jobs. We've even gotten to the point where we want to give up. Am I right? You ever, you ever, even within your ministries here at the church, you've just wanted to give up? Let me bring you an encouraging word this morning. Therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. What is this new way? We're going to pursue the presence of God, the glory of the new covenant. We never give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God, and all who are honest know this. We're pursuing the things of God. We're pursuing His presence, the new way, the new covenant, the new glory, which is the presence of God. And when we do this, it says, since God in His mercy has given us a new way, we never give up. That's a strong statement there. Ministry is a gift, and ministry is a response to the Lord. 
Ministry is a gift and ministry is a response to the Lord. When we minister in these walls or outside of these walls, wherever God has called us to, we must recognize it that he has given us this gift of ministry, but it's also our response to him. And when I'm responding to the ministry that he has given, and when I am focused in on his presence, when the difficulties come, when the the voices come, when the negativity comes, when this comes, when the children don't want to do that, when this doesn't want to happen, when that doesn't want to happen, I'm never tempted to really give up. Why? Because I'm pursuing his presence. And Jesus paid a big price with his own life so that we could enjoy his presence and that that could be our accolade rather than things going the right way at work or not. But I'm not going to give up because God has called me to this ministry until he changes his mind, right? And leads me into a different direction, you into a different direction. Have we exchanged gifts for duties? Have we tried to gain favor from God and others by our ministry? When did the presence of Jesus stop being enough? Because only our first love can sustain the cost of ministry. And that's our presence with him. I'm speaking this to the church of abundant life at this moment. Only our first love can sustain the cost of ministry. You know, there's been some things that's been working in the background lately. God has been moving. Um, I believe there's a very prophetic word that um, I'm praying about, whether I bring it next week or not. Um, So be praying this week what God wants to speak to us. Um, But here's what I have to understand. With each new season that God is leading us into, we must seek His presence and remember That was the second day that I received prayer from this individual. It was seeking the presence of God and that my devotional life would be so rich when it's just me and my Savior. Can I pray? Let me pray that over you. Lord, I pray for everyone that is in this room at this moment. God, as they spend time with you, Lord, that you would satisfy them with your presence. God, that you would speak things to them of their destiny and their future and their current time frame, Lord, that you would satisfy them with your presence, Lord. Because only our first love can sustain the cost of ministry. If we serve or work for anything else other than our first love for Jesus and his presence, we cannot sustain that cost and we will give up. That is why many people, including pastors, give up and quit a ministry because we become so addicted to external factors other than his presence and his voice and what he is saying to us. Thirdly, Jesus is calling back, calling us back to innocence over success. Now, success is not a bad word, is it? Success is actually a good thing in God's kingdom. But Jesus is calling us back to innocence over success. What do I mean by that? Because this plagues many people, including myself. When people ask how is church going? What do I do? I focus on the big Sundays. I don't focus on the last two, Father's Day and the week after. Man, ain't nobody here. Everybody's at the beach. <laughs> and that's awesome. There's nothing wrong with that. But you see my point in this, because as a matter of fact, this weekend, since we have a few days, we're going to go camping. We'll be back for Sunday. 
we're going to get away too. So there's nothing wrong with that. My point is this. We did, oh man, you should have seen, as I said last week, you should have seen Easter service. We were worshiping, the, the, the walls seen, the, we almost didn't have enough room. What is that? That is the trap of success over the presence of God. And as I said last week, the last two Sundays, the presence of God was just as evident as it was on our biggest attended Sundays. How's your family doing? Oh, my fa I have the best family in the world. They never give me any. You know, we, we try to come, against, come up with all of these things because of the significant idea. So we, we want to put our best foot forward. People ask how we're doing. Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. You know what? That's good. Absolutely. But sometimes we need to find that person and say, I, man, I need your, I need your, I covet your prayers at this moment because it's been a difficult week. I'm blessed and highly favored, but I need your prayers at this moment. Jesus is calling us back to innocence over the mindset of worldly success or even ministry success. Here's what Jesus, here's what God did. He took a humble shepherd boy and made him a king. I actually just read about, I can't think of his name right now, but there was another king that we just read about this week. God did the same thing. He was a shepherd as we read about. God appointed him as a king. Never forget who you serve and who called you. I want to say that again. I want everybody to look at me real quick. Never forget who you are and who called you. Ever. Come back to innocence over success. Do we love Jesus? Here's what I mean. Do we love Jesus with the innocence that we once had? Do we love his presence? Remember when you first got saved and you couldn't get enough of this book, this Bible? You couldn't get enough of his presence? Come back to that place. Yeah. Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. Jesus says this to the church. He says, I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but they are not. You have discovered that they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Those sound like great things, don't they? That sounds like the mark of an amazing individual and a great church. But look at this, verse 4. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you first did. Great churches, great families, great individuals can do good things but have left their first love. I want to encourage you, church, just as I prayed over you, take this week to really focus back in on you and Jesus and your relationship and allowing the Holy Spirit when you wake up in the morning to lead you into the very throne room of God. You will find that you survive, that you thrive on the day. Some people say, well, I'm better at night. Okay, that's fine. That can be your significant time, but start every day with Jesus. Inviting his Holy Spirit to lead you. I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you first did. God is concerned about the condition of your heart more than the idea, more than your idea of success. Number four, Jesus is calling us back to the sufficiency of Jesus over the sufficiency of performance. Paul's vision for the church is slavery to God. That's, that's a word we don't like to use in our society because it has such a negative history here in the United States. And, and I'm sure we wish that we could get rid of that part of our history, but the reality is we can't. It happened. So I, I understand that it has a negative connotation in all of that. 
But what we're focusing on with this particular statement was that Paul's vision for the church is slavery to God. In other words, God, we are doing whatever you say. And here's what I understand, that God is loving and gracious and merciful and gives us everything we need to be successful. Not the idea of slavery that we've seen in history, right? He's a benevolent God. What we're saying in this whole idea of... um, Paul's vision for, for slave. Well, let me just read it. 2 Corinthians 4, 5. He says, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and that we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God said, let there be light in the darkness, has made, light, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Now we have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. So we need sufficiency of Jesus over performance. As clay jars in which this message of the gospel is in, we are, we're easily breakable. But we must be filled with the presence and the power of God as as we are seeking to spread this message that he has. God, Jesus is calling us back to the sufficiency of Jesus over the sufficiency of performance. And let me say this, we can, and this is probably an area, you guys know I'm pretty transparent about things. This is probably one of the areas that I struggle with the most, is the idea of performance. We were talking about this week, this, this week in a um, Thursday, Doug, Stasha, and myself were on an emotionally healthy thing we're actually going to be doing here at the church. And part of our discussion was this. And I said, you know what? I struggle with, am I doing enough? Am I working hard enough? How do people see me? I had better be more concerned in how God sees me. And David, are you, being, are you, are you focused enough on the presence of God so that you can lead my people? So this one hits me the most. Jesus is calling us back to sufficiency of Jesus over the sufficiency of performance. Jesus is Lord and we are slaves. Question, do you lead your home, your ministry, your employees, your co-workers as a slave of Christ? Our spiritual awakening in the Western church is being hindered by trying to impress people The idol of significance will try to replace the importance of the presence of Jesus. I just want to be significant. I just want to make sure that everybody's happy. I just want to make sure that I need to make sure that Jesus is priority and that his presence is filling filling my lives. You know what happens when that begins to take place? God is leading his church. God is leading my family. God is leading my community wherever God has you placed. Is Jesus your drive or his significance? 1 Corinthians 2, 1, so we'll back up a book from 2 Corinthians. By the way, keep your hand right here because we'll be back to 2 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I did not use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan, for I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except for Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid, and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive 
persuasive speeches. I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. And someone needs to hear this this morning. You have found your significance in what you know, and you need to find your significance in the presence of God. What you know will only get so far because with all the learning and knowledge that you can get, it will only get you so far. But the presence of God will take you in front of people and in situations that your wisdom cannot get you. How in the world did a boy from a single parent home that was very poor have a position, a place, a ministry, a calling to speak to a bunch of people? It's about humility. And I've got to get back to that. And you've got to get back to that. And we have got to seek his presence. And his power. I'm so excited when I hear reports of people being healed. Just, I think most recent was Miss Gale. I believe that was the most recent one. Um, where there was unexplainably, oh, well, we know how to explain it, but naturally unexplainably there was a healing that was there that's the presence of god i want to see that more in this house I, not because i want abundant life to be significant in the place of mooresville but i want the name of jesus to be significant and people know who they can turn to when they're looking for the presence of god and for answers ministry and calling must be built on the holy spirit not upon significance I want to give you a couple things that um, are going to be up here about calling and significance. Calling invites us to find our meaning in being sons and daughters of God, of course. Significance rejects the meaning of sonship by default and makes us orphans. Because we're not relying on God, we're relying on what we can do and we orphan ourselves. Calling invites us to become slaves of the greatness of Jesus. Significance guides us to make slaves of others and the pursuit of our own greatness. Jesus is calling us back to self-sacrifice over self-preservation. Let me say that again. Jesus is calling us back to self-sacrifice over self-preservation. Back in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we get up again. He ain't never going to keep us down, right? But we're not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that our life of, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Church, I want that to be something that is said of us even greater. Let me read that verse again. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death. But this has resulted in eternal life for you. When we opened up today, we were talking about how we're no longer ministers to Israel, but to Babylon in this generation that they might not be facing a literal death, but they are facing tremendous, we are facing tremendous opposition to our message. And that's why this is so important. We live in the face of death in our culture in the sense of rejection, and they're not living according to cultural norms. But this has resulted in eternal life for you by 
abundant life, and I want to thank all the teachers, regardless what your role is in this particular sense. Thank you for what you're doing. If you're just rocking a baby, thank you for doing that as you pray over them, because you're not just rocking a baby. It's resulting in eternal life for others. Did we sign up for greatness or did we sign up for death? You know, the reality is when you became a believer, it's the latter part of that. In my death, oh yeah, in my death is life for the people that I love. My home, my church, and my work. Your home, your, lot, your church, your work. It goes in the face of culture. In a culture of significance, we must live out our calling. And here's our memory verse for this week. And I want you to read this with me. And I want you to make this a, um, really a prayer as we're closing out today. By the way, um, if you want to come on up, we're going to be closing here in just a few moments. Just going to play a little music here in the background as we begin to respond here. Mark 8, 34. As a matter of fact, can you stand with me? And I want us to say this one together. All right, you ready? Let's go. Then, calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the good news, you will save it. The first part of that, I really want you to memorize. Where it ends at, and follow me. And if you want to be really bold, try to memorize the second part. That's a lot to memorize, isn't it? But it flows pretty good. But you see the point that's there. I need his presence if this is going to be my life to give up my life. I don't like that message. But it's a message that God has called every single believer to. May our significance be found in the presence of Jesus in your life personally and here at Abundant Life. The Lord is, I probably will get into this next week. There's a shift that's going to be happening. And it came to me this past week on a Monday morning, I think, as I was leaving the house. And anytime God wants to do something new, I'm going to tell you, it scares me. <laughs> Not that I don't have faith in God, right? But just adjustments that the Lord is making. And it's not with anybody's ministry, so don't worry about that this week. It's just in a mindset. It's in, in a direction and a spiritual thing. It's just, Thank you, honey. It's a spiritual thing. And, and maybe it's just for me. Um, because I feel that I have some pretty good ideas. Sorry, I keep moving this thing. I feel that I have some pretty good ideas and like you, I feel my way is best most of the time. But I've learned a long time ago that I can't function with that. In my home, I can't function with that. Everybody's like, yeah, we know Stasha has the better ideas anyway. But, and there's a lot of truth there. In my church, in your church, in God's church, um, 
I just, I need his presence. And God reminded me of that this week. Let's just pray for a moment. Lord, more than ever, we need your presence. Lord, forgive us of the times where we've replaced your presence and, and the glory that comes with that, with seeking the glory of significance. Whether it be from other people or results in this or that, yes, those things are important, God, but when they take your place, Jesus, forgive us of those times where really you haven't been enough. We want to believe that you are, but maybe the actions don't show that. I know this has been a heavy couple of weeks with even that thought, but Lord, you're, God, I recognize that you're doing something spiritually within me, and you're doing something within this church, this body of believers. And I believe it's setting up your kingdom and people coming to know Jesus. God, use us. Work your presence and your glory within us so that people may come to Jesus. God, may we not seek any other significance other than people coming to Jesus and understanding his presence and his love, that we would seek that as well, Lord. We take a moment to repent, Lord. I take a moment to repent. God, you have been so good to us, and we are thankful. And so we walk out of here today in confidence, knowing that we have been with our Savior today. And we're not walking out of these doors the same way that we came in. We may have come in good, everything's fine, but we're going to go out better because of the presence of God that has been in our lives. Maybe today you need the presence of God in your life in the form of making Jesus your personal Savior. Today is the day of salvation. I've been in the church for a long time. I understand that. But is he your Savior? Is he your Lord? Mr. and Ms. Stowe are going to pray for us in just a few moments, and they're going to make themselves available for prayer. And if that's you, I want you to come here and give your life to Jesus. Or maybe you need to give your life 100% to Jesus again. Or you're just seeking the presence of God. Or maybe it's a physical ailment that you're having in your body. And it's keeping you from giving God your all. And you recognize it's a hindrance and you're ready for the Lord to work in your life physically. The presence of God is able, church.